Like all of you, those gathered here and those at home, I am sheltering in place. Other than trips to the grocery store, being here this morning is as close to non-family human interaction I have had for the past two weeks. The normal routines that I took for granted, the trips and outings I had planned for the next couple months, the freedom to go out and grab a beer or dinner or meet with friends have all gone away. Instead, in my household, we have eight people who are trying to navigate a completely new life. Two who are essential workers and come and go each day from work, hoping that they are taking enough care to not bring anything back into the home with them. A five-year-old whose school and after-school activities no longer exist, so our house and our yard are it. Our 16-year-old son, who is trying to do his schoolwork and remain connected with friends while also entertaining the five-year-old. Two college-age daughters who spent their spring breaks confined to our home and are now completing their classes online for the rest of the year while also entertaining the aforementioned five-year-old. And my husband and I, who are doing our best to work remotely from home, while again entertaining the five-year-old. You get the picture. And I know that my story is your story in its own unique way. We may be living different situations, but we are all living a new normal. Our lives have been completely disrupted, and I imagine we all have a bit more anxiety and fear than we normally carry around with us. Things that would have seemed so absurd to us only a month ago, such as staying six feet away from our nearest neighbor or not going out to eat, is a normal part of our lives. That is not to mention the health and economic impact this is having on the people in our community, on us and on those we love. And we don't know how long it will last. Here we are, worshiping together, completely separate and yet still connected. And we are not alone. Everyone, everywhere, is learning how to live in a similar manner. And I'll admit, it feels bizarre. It feels scary, and it is unsettling. These are things that movies are made of. And we know that it won't take long for a movie to be made. That is, once people are able to get together and make movies again. So here we are. Here we are in crisis, watching our community and the world reel and lurch in ways most of us have never experienced before. Here we are as the gospel for this fifth Sunday in Lent shows us Jesus, holding two angry, grief-stricken sisters in his arms and telling them with absolute certainty that he is the resurrection and the life. Here we are as Jesus holds the triumphant 
truth of eternal and abundant life in unashamed, unapologetic tension with his own tears. Here we are as Lazarus, the dead man, is brought from death back to life. Now, I'll be honest, the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is a hard one for me. At many levels, I don't understand it. I don't understand why Jesus dawdles when he first receives word of Lazarus' illness. I don't understand why he allows his friends to suffer for the sake of God's glory. I don't understand why he tells his disciples that Lazarus is asleep rather than dead. I don't understand why he sidesteps Martha's tortured accusations. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't understand why Jesus raises just one man, leaving countless others in their graves. And I don't understand why Lazarus virtually disappears from the gospel narrative once his grave clothes fall off. Why is he never heard from again? In many ways, the story is shrouded in mystery. But today, this week, now, the part of the story that most calls to me is the one of Lazarus and what happens next. I am the resurrection and the life is Jesus' message. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. This is the very heart of the gospel, conveyed first with the rising of Lazarus and brought to bear even more powerfully with Jesus' own death and resurrection. Do you believe this, Jesus says to Martha and to us? Do we believe this, that there is life after death? Lazarus' story is one of the obvious ones, but it is not necessarily real accessible. Lazarus is never fleshed out as a character, all that we know about him is that Jesus loved him, and he got sick and died. His sisters have more of a backstory than he. And yet, once Jesus arrives, he is never more certain of the panoramic big picture than here. Lazarus' illness will not be con conquered by death, but it will be an example that life is possible even when death seems to be the final answer. The epiphany of the story is that we are able to see ourselves in Lazarus and see the miracle of, the, of his restoration of physical life as the beginning of our entry into eternal life that begins the moment we accept Jesus' offer of relationship with each of us. We are to see ourselves in Lazarus, whose name, a shortened form of Eliezer, means God helps. And he is from a town named Bethany, which means house of affliction. So God helps one who suffers 
from affliction. Lazarus is the one Jesus loves. He represents all those whom Jesus loves, which includes you and me and all humankind. This story, then, is the story of our coming to life from death in this present moment, not just in a future event. In Sophie Burnham's novel, Revelations, she has a character, an Episcopal priest, Tom Buckford, who wonders about the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. He poses the question, what do you think happened to Lazarus after he rose from the dead? Whatever do you think the gospel writers were dreaming about not to finish the story? Tom contends that no modern journalist would end the account there. Here's the only person they've ever encountered who's been brought back to life. Of course, they would all rush to grab his testimony, holding out microphones to ask, Mr. Lazarus, how are you feeling? Can you tell us what it was like on the other side? Here was a man who'd seen God. He was living in the light and then abruptly thrown back into his physical body. Imagining that Jesus wouldn't leave him in a decaying body, he likely came back healed in every way. Having experienced a dimension in which he no longer viewed reality in terms of a polarized either or. Tom continued, maybe he was alive with a quickening of the soul that most of us will never know. The novel teases us to consider that maybe our usual interpretation of the story is wrong and that we're actually alive only after we die. What if Lazarus was brought back here to earth from life? We can only guess the type of life that Lazarus lived after he was brought back from the dead. But what would we do with a new life? The pandemic sweeping our world has put a lot of things into perspective for many of us and caused changes to our daily lives. Though disease and illness make their way in the world every so often, most of us have never experienced something like this that is so indiscriminate and works its way through seemingly all communities with such ferocity. It has changed life, and it is changing our world. And as a result, the question that rises up in my mind in light of this morning's gospel is how will we respond. In her book, Vision and Viewpoint, Joan Chittister explored the theme of change that can occur in Lent, and her writings have much to say to us in our current situation. She wrote, God is in the newness of life. Newness is where God waits for us to teach us new things. It is, however, the old, the familiar, the routine, 
the commonplace that we prefer. So we cling. We like to get things right. We like to be in control of our lives. We like surety and stability and predictability. We don't want change. To be invited to begin again, to be ready to start over in life, is what the practice of Lent is all about. Then we are free to rethink everything we've done in life and everything we want in life and everything we've demanded from life and get down to basics. The presence of God and the trust in the God of surprises. If Lent is to be real at all, we must recognize that we are on a journey that twists and turns between what we were before and what we are beginning now. There is no settling down. There is only the call of the new beginning where God dwells in the heart and takes all our fear, all our loneliness away. Our world is going to be a very different place. It already is. It is hurting and struggling. We can choose to recreate the world that no longer exists, or we can work to create something better. The story of Lazarus shows us that death can lead to new life and a new beginning, and that life can be better than before. If we trust that God is at work in our midst, then we can see the opportunity to create light in this time that appears to be darkness. Amen.